The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Stay in TVBC, as it says on the bulletin there. Our country and our church. Our church and our country. You know, for our church, pray as, as we look for a new worship minister. As that, that process begins, pray for Craig, as Pastor Craig, as he moves to an, uh, another chapter of his life, and their children, as they, his children, as they start a new chapter in their life. But don't, so pray for that future worship pastor that we, that's out there. We don't know his name yet, but he's out there somewhere. Pray for a church as we do physical things, like, you know, up, you know remodeling the children's center, as we look at other things that this church needs to be done to, to just physically upgrade it, that we can get the yard mowed every week, all those things. Um, but pray spiritually. How do we disciple as pastors? How do you get discipled? How do you help mentor others in Christ? Lead others to Christ, to come to Christ for the first time. Mentor young Christians. And by young, not necessarily by age, by spiritual maturity. You may have been a Christian for many years, but you're still a young Christian because you haven't matured. And so pray for those things. Then us, as on the birthday of our country, we pray for our country. Things aren't as well as we'd like it to be. There are things that can be better. All right? This year and last year, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, things can be better. We pray for our leaders that they'll be, make godly decisions, whether they're godly or not. We pray that they make godly decisions. We pray for the president. We pray for the Supreme Court, the senators, the congressmen. But it go down to the governor and the state house. We pray for county commissioners and mayors and city councils, all of it. Whether they're the people you voted for or not, you pray for them. The way, whether they acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior or not, you pray for them. Because God uses them. As we read Scripture, whether we voted for them or not, God can still use them. God still puts them in a position of authority. And so we pray. We pray that we are good citizens. We pray for our country. And that's what we come to pray for today. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we pray first and foremost for Tower View Baptist Church. This church, we pray, will stand no matter what political party is in office. That this church will stand for you. That we will grow. That we will bring new people. People will come to know you because of this church. We pray that the ones that are here will be fed and they will grow spiritually. They will mentor others. They will learn more about you. They will lead more holy lives each and every day. 
And Lord, we just pray for our country right now on this birthday of our land. We pray for godly leaders. We pray for godly leaders from the bottom up in our counties, county commissioners and sheriffs that we elect and prosecutors. Lord, we, uh, we pray for our, our city, Kansas City, Lord, um, and whatever city you live in, if you don't live in Kansas City, we pray for those mayors, that mayor and those city councils. We pray for the governor of Missouri and the state house of Missouri as they enact laws and make decisions that matter to us, that they'll be holy and godly decisions. And even as if they're not, Lord, I pray that we will continue to be holy and godly people. And we pray for our federal government, Lord, those in the Supreme Court that have to make ruling on laws and decisions. We pray for those in the Senate and in the, in, in the legislature, Lord, the congressmen, that we, as they have committee meetings and all the, the, the things that go on, Lord, that no matter what their motives are, it will be to serve you. And we pray for the president, Lord. Our President Joe Biden, Lord, whether you voted for, whether we voted for him or not, Lord, we pray for him. We pray that he will make godly decisions, that he will turn to you in prayer, that he will turn to you as he makes decisions, and that you will use him for your glory, because you are the mighty God. You are the one in control, and so just help us to make every area of our life to serve you as citizens of this land, and as members in the, in the family of Christ of this church. You are the mighty God. We just pray all this in Jesus and holy, in his holy and precious name. And all God's children said amen. amen. Well, I'm going to start this sermon a little bit differently. I'm going to start with a slideshow. Because you, you know I'm in the Army. I'm a, a military chaplain. I've been, in the cha- I've been in the Army Reserves for 16 years. So I usually have a flag on this shoulder, and it's backwards because we're going forward, not backwards. So we're going forward so the flag's flying the right way as you're going forward. All right. So I got some pictures here from my first deployment in 2009. So this is what well, we called it Cobb Spiker, Contingency Operating Base Spiker. Spiker was a, a pilot who was shot down during the first Gulf War, and his, his body was never found. While we were deployed, they actually found his body out in the desert while we were deployed there. We actually had a special ceremony for that. But this base we were at was actually built by the Iraqis, by Saddam Hussein. It was the Iraqi Air Force Academy. And so this was the soccer field. And if you notice in the background, there's the, the bleachers, you can't hardly tell. I know you guys can't see very well from where you're sitting. But there's bomb damage to the bleachers. Somebody bombed those bleachers. Probably us. Um, but in front of the main bleachers, we built a, we, Americans, we built a stage. And you see that big white backdrop. Next picture. And you, here's, you, can, you can see the back of the stage, but now the back of the stage has a flag that covers that entire backdrop. And behind it, you can see the, the, the bleachers and the bomb damage um, that some probably American pilot inflicted. Like I said, this was the Iraqi Air Force Academy, so it was, it was a target. Um, but that stage had a flag. Next picture. 
And this is straight on. And so they use this stage for concerts, outdoor concerts, and, and for different events. And you can see at the bottom, and it may be hard to read, it says, Cobb Spiker, Tikrit, Iraq. We were about 10 miles north of the city of Tikrit, up in central Iraq. It was hot, 100 degrees. In the summertime every day, like 5% humidity and dust. You see no grass. Next picture. So there was a great place to take a unit photo. So I'm in this photo. I don't know where. I can never find myself in this photo. I'm the guy in uniform. Um, next picture. But there you can see me a little easier. Uh, so, there, uh, so this is right after we got there. And next picture. This is my chaplain assistant. You notice what he's holding that I wasn't holding. He's got an M16. I didn't get one of those. They don't let me have those things. Chaplains, by regulation, do not carry a weapon at all, ever, not even in training. So next photo. So here is that same stage. I had the honor. So our base had like 12,000 people on the post, a deployed base. Now about 5,000 of those were civilians, and a lot of them came from other countries. We call them third country nationals. They, they were there to uh, work in the, D, in the dining facility, the DFAC, to, to clean the port of johns to drive transportation trucks. Um, so a lot of them came from India or, or the Philippines. Uh, we had Turkish people there to do a lot of the construction, physical construction work. So we did, there was a lot of stuff. But we also had seven chapels on that post. So on Easter Sunday, the year I was there, we decided to have an Easter sunrise service. And I got put in charge of setting up and organizing the service. Okay, so we had praise teams from four, we had four different praise teams participate in this from some of those different chapels. And they weren't all from the same faith groups necessarily. But part of the setup, I got to pick, we, we said we're going to have it out here. And um, I had, I, had to, I had to actually work with KBR. So all those chairs that are set up, KBR actually set up all those chairs. I didn't have to set them up. KBR, I remember back in the news way years ago, it was a contractor that did a lot of our contracting for the military overseas. And they, they were big news at one point in time, not usually for good stuff. But that big old stage, and they go, well, are you going to put the flag up? And I said, no, this is an Easter sunrise service. The only cross I had was that cross that's up there, which is about five, about six foot tall. Yeah, that's, yeah, I know you can't really see it. No, it was, no, it was smaller than that one. It's the only one we had. And so KBR, a bunch of contractors from other countries, hung that cross up who weren't necessarily Christian. Next picture. So big old thing. I could have put a big old American flag up there. I said, this is Easter sunrise service. Even some of the chaplains asked, are we going to put the flag up? I said, no, not for Easter sunrise service. Next, next one. And so we had an altar table set up there, and my, one of the chaplain assistants set that up. He was, he was more Anglican in nature, and so he designed and set up that little, you got a, a smaller cross on the table there, and, and a chalice and some bread up there on the stage. Next slide. But then, what about the rest of my time? So this is the building I worked in. And we see we have a flag out there. If you, if you don't know, it was painted probably by the unit in the middle, which is the big red one, 1st Infantry Division. And the flag on the left is the American flag. The flag on the right side is the Iraqi flag. 
because that's where we were at. Next slide. This is the this is the chapel that I was one of the, one of the seven chapels on post. This is the one I got to be in charge of. And one of our chaplain assistants was getting an award that day. But look in the background of that. You see an American flag, absolutely. And then you see a banner that has a pineapple on it. It says welcome. And there's a table there, it looks like an altar table. But what do you not see in that picture? There is no cross in that picture. And that's not an accident. When we don't have chapel, when a service is not happening, we have to sanitize the chapel. It has to be neutral from any religion. Because in the military, a chapel service is not just a Christian service. That chapel had a Mormon service in there. That chapel had a Jewish service in there. We had Protestant services. We had Catholic services. And a Catholic uses a different cross than us Protestants. Okay, that's a crucifix. And so what you can't see in that picture on the sidewalls is the stations of the cross that the, the Catholics use at Easter, but there's handkerchiefs that hang over to the top of them when they're not having service, when the Catholics aren't having service. And so it has to be sanitized. No religious items whatsoever in there when it's between. And if they did it right, the Wiccans could have a service in there. If they follow the rules and all the vetting, Wiccans can have a service in there. Now, there's no Wiccan chaplains. They have to vet a lead, their own leader, and if they did that, they would, it would go through me, and then I have to send it up to my higher chaplains up the chain. But they could. It's, it's, it's legal within the military, and some of the bases did have that. And so that chapel has to be used for other religions, not just denominations, other religions. So there's nothing there. But there's American flag for all the services, because that's where we're at. We're all servicemen, or we're civilians working for the U.S. Army. Next. There, there, there's me. So this is in, in my office area. We had a fish. I don't know how we got a fish. Well, it got donated from somebody else's office. But there's a flag hanging on the wall behind me, and they got a flag on my arm. And it looks kind of weird because it's an IR flag, an infrared flag. So you can see it easily with night vision goggles. Thankfully, I never needed that be spotted with night vision goggles. Um, but that's why, that's why the flag, so with the way the lighting was, it just looks really weird in that. Otherwise, it just looks like kind of a black and white flag. Uh, it's kind of a weird, uh, th the layer, the, the, what it's made of on the outside layer is kind of a weird layer. Next slide. And you've got body armor hanging on the walls in case we need that. And then there's my oldest and my youngest sons. They're Boy Scouts. Adam, the one on left. I'm looking at that picture to make sure it's the same one. Um, Eagle Scout Adam, okay. Eagle Scout Adam and, and the Boy Scouts, you know, they say the Pledge of Allegiance every week. I say it with them. And our troop says it differently than most everybody else. Because when you get to the part that says, one nation under God, and we all say it, we always pause right there. But that troop won't say it that way. They always say, one nation under God. They say it all in one breath to emphasize the nation God go together because we're one nation under God. And they say it all together. And when I'm at the Boy Scout troop, I do the Pledge of Allegiance. When I go to a Royals game and they play the national anthem, I stand up and they say, veterans, render, you can render a salute. So when I'm at a Royals game, I get up there and I snap a salute. So that's who I am. 
I wear the uniform. I've been a Boy Scout leader. I wear that uniform too. I say the Pledge of Allegiance. I sing such as I sing. The National Anthem. I salute the flag. I've said when I joined the military, I had given oath to defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. That's who I am. So think about that as we go through this sermon. As we read from Isaiah chapter 8. Remember that. Today's sermon, the big idea is no country on earth supersedes the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven unites all Christians across the globe for all times. There are no barriers in heaven. Not language, not political systems, not economics, not political parties. Countries come and go. The kingdom of heaven is eternal. Let's stand and read our scripture today. Our scripture today is Isaiah chapter 8, starting in verse 11. Isaiah 8, verse 11. I'm going to read verses 11 to 20. This is what the Lord said to me with great power, to keep me from going the way of this people. Do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. He will be a sanctuary. But the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to to stumble over, a rock to trip over, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up the testimony. Seal up the instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will wait for him. Here I am with the children of the Lord has given me to be signs and wonders in Israel for the Lord of armies who dwells on Mount Zion. When they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the spiritualists who chirp and mutter. Shouldn't people inquire of their God? Shouldn't they inquire? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Go to God's instruction and testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they will not, there will be no dawn for them. Let's pray. God, we just pray for these words. We pray for our country. We pray for our church. We pray for ourselves. Help us to serve you and serve you alone. You are the mighty God. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. The USA is an awesome place to live. It's unique in the world. It's done so much good. Even though it has flaws in the past and in the present, Yet the USA is a blip on the radar of human history. Today, the United States of America is 245 years old. 245. Well, that's a big number. It's older than me. You know, that's older than you, Lauren, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you, you qualify as the oldest guy in here, I think, today. But think about this. Iraq. Babylon, Mesopotamia, that's all the same place. They're as old as we have recorded history 
They're at least 5,000 years old. At least Egypt the same way. There have been people there since the time all of recorded history. Even before then, they can find stuff. Iran, Persia, same thing. Well, they go to Europe, France. France as a country is about 1,600 years old. Grand old England, it's about 1,000 years old or so. And here we are, 245. We're the new kids on the block. There's nothing sacred about a republic. That's what we are. We're a republic. We're not a democracy. Because we don't vote on every piece of legislation that comes up. We vote on senators and congressmen to do that voting for us. We're a republic. We're not a democracy. Missouri, we're a little bit closer because we have to vote on every tax increase. I grew up in Indiana. We didn't have to vote on that. If they wanted to raise taxes, they did it with as much you could say about it. It's not the most efficient government. A dictatorship, a benevolent dictator is the most efficient government. Think King David, King Solomon. Godly leadership, seeking God as they made decisions, is the most efficient form of government. Democracy? Yeah. Think about it. You have 10 people in the room. One of them's wearing a blue shirt. The others aren't wearing blue shirts. And they go, let's beat up the guy with the blue shirt. Okay, let's vote on it. Votes nine to one. <laughs> democracy in action. When democracy turns evil, it's just mob rule. It only works if you have godly people. A, dictator only, a dictatorship only works if you have a godly dictator. A godly king or queen or whatever you want to call him, prime minister. In democracy, if ungodly people elect ungodly leaders, we will have an ungodly and evil government. If enough supposedly godly people are persuaded into voting for ungodly leaders because they appear godly, they will be deceived and the end result is still an ungodly and evil government. And so this matters. It matters at all levels, from the president to the senators and congressmen to the governors to the state legislature to the other state positions that we we, we, uh, vote for, county commissioners, city council, sheriff, all that. It matters who we vote for. It matters if they follow God too. So we need to follow God in all that we do. So the scripture today, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, For this is what the Lord said to me with great power. The Lord. In your translation, probably has Lord in all caps. That means Yahweh, Jehovah, the personal name of God. That's the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. When Moses said, Who are you? He said, Yahweh. In our English translations, we say, The Lord. Most of the time. So if you see that the Lord and you see the Lord is all caps, it's, it's the personal name of God, Yahweh. There are some translations that will say Yahweh in there. But I had to say, it says, The Lord said to me with great power. 
God said it with great power. Think of all the power of the U.S. military. Whether we're still the most powerful nation in the world or not, I don't know. If we're not, we're, we're in the top three. But think of all the power that we have, all the bombs that we have, missiles, nuclear warheads. What does that compare to God? Not a thing. Not a thing. And in China's military might and Russia's military might, what does it add up to compared to God? Not a thing. All our military might, we can't stop a volcano from exploding. Volcanoes have way more power than our bombs. If Yellowstone, which is a super volcano, Yellowstone National Park, decides to explode, ain't nothing we can do about it. And it's going to wreak way more destruction than any nuclear bombardment from China and Russia. Great power. God created that Yellowstone National Park. But we, that's what we call it. God created it all. He has the power. The Lord said to me with great power. Why, did he say, why is he talking to Isaiah? Why is, he giving, why is he coming with a great power? To keep me, that's Isaiah speaking, from going the way of this people. Which people? The people of Israel. Wait a minute. People of Israel, aren't those God's chosen people? God chose Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then he renamed Jacob Israel. And then God called Jacob's descendants out of Egypt into a promised land. They are God's chosen people. And and, and he's, he's telling Isaiah, don't follow them. Verse 12, don't call everything a conspiracy that they say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. Are there any conspiracy theories going around these days? I'm not going to name them. You know what they are. If you follow them, you know what they are. I'm not saying if they're true or false, but not every conspiracy. We don't need to fear all those conspiracies, true or not. We have an eternal God that to follow. We don't need to fear conspiracies. What would conspiracies would they had at that time? Well, let's see. The nation of Israel and Judah were two separate nations. They had fractured. You had the northern kingdom of Israel had ten tribes. And the southern kingdom of Judah that contained Jerusalem had two tribes. The Levites were kind of scattered between all of them. Assyria was the major power in the world those days. It was the superpower. And they were a serious threat to Israel and Judah. Babylon, not so much. Egypt, not so much at that time. But were they creating alliances? What was going on inside the country? Was the Game of Thrones happening within the, 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 the palace of Judah and Samaria, the capital of Israel? Was the Game of Thrones happening, trying to figure out who was going to be the next king? Which son was going to be the next king? Who had the most power? Who was going to assassinate who? 
What difference is it ours today? You know, is there voter fraud or not? Who, who's, who's manipulating what? Who's being manipulated by who? Whom? All those things that are happening. Who's the, who's the real influencer? Are we being told the truth? Or are we being told a lie? The truth is right here. This is the truth we need to worry about. Does that all that stuff matter? Yes. But we need to put it in its proper perspective, in its proper place. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be terrified. Even if the worst happens, you are still a child of God. Even if the worst dreaded thing happens, and what we're all afraid of happens, you are still a child of God. Don't fear what they fear. We have an eternal Savior we can worship. You are, verse 13, you are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. The God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. What's a host? It's an army. God Almighty, you are to regard the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. The president is just a person. We happen to know his address. He's still just a person. He's just a man. And if he kills over, there'll be just a woman. But he's just a man. Our senators are just people. Mayor Lucas is just a man who happens to have the title of mayor at the moment. Only one we should fear is the Lord. Not fear as in tremble and be afraid and scared, but fear as in awe and righteousness. But in a sense, it is scared because he is the judge. What's the worst thing any political system can do to you on this earth? They could throw you in jail. They could exile you. They could execute you. Think about that. The worst thing anybody on earth can do, is any government can do to you, is execute you. If you were a child of God, what does that mean? You get to go to heaven. I've always wondered, I don't know if I'd actually, if somebody ever came up to me with a loaded gun and put it to my head and said, you know, and, and threatened me with something, and I would I have the guts to look at him in the face and says, what are you doing, threatening me with heaven? Only God needs to be feared, not people, not our even our governments. Now think about this. We, we, we are here today. We are not breaking the law. We have nothing to fear from the government because we are doing it's perfectly legal. It is put into our law. It's the First Amendment of our Constitution that we have a freedom to worship and to sit here and speak as we see fit. Whether we want to praise the president or, or call him bad names. We are free to do that. But you know what? There are, not, there are places in this world you can't do that. Try going to China 
and talking bad about Chairman Xi Jinping. And if we were a, 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 a legal church in China, I would have had to submit my sermon to a government official to have him approve it before I preached it. If we were a legal church. If we were an underground church, we're all liable to be arrested. And, they were, and if we were meeting in a building, there's a good chance that they would bulldoze the building after they arrested us. And even some of the legal churches, the Chinese government is taking fingerprints and ret- or retinal scans from everybody who enters the building on Sunday worship. You want the government to take attendance when you worship? And they require a picture up on the wall of Jesus? No. Of Chairman Xi Jinping. Prove that you're patriotic. You have to put a picture of the leader of the country. You imagine us putting a picture up here? In other words, you know, last year, President Trump, this year, President Biden, either one? Is that who we worship? No. We worship only he, God should be feared and held in awe. Should we be polite to the president and do the proper courtesies? Call him Mr. President? If you go to England and meet the king, the queen, should you do the proper courtesies that you do when you meet the queen? Yes, absolutely. Paul said that in the book of Romans. Where honor is due, you know, give them the proper honor. But you don't worship them. Verse 14, he will be a sanctuary. Who? He, God, will be a sanctuary. Not a sanctuary as in what we call this room, a holy place. God is the holy place. He will be the sanctuary. But, there's that big word, that's a big theological word in Scripture. He will be a sanctuary. But for the two houses of Israel, God will be a stone to stumble over, a rock to trip over, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Wait a minute. The same Israel and Judah that God called out of Egypt miraculously, with the ten plagues and going through the Red Sea with Moses. That Israel? God's going to be a stumbling block to them? Why? Because they quit following God. How do we know we quit following God? Because read the rest of Isaiah. Isaiah goes over and over again how they are following idols. How they, they supposedly are offering sacrifices at the temple, but they're just doing it out of rote. It's just like, oh, I've got to go to the temple and offer the sacrifice again. Or they're doing it out of, well, if I go offer the sacrifice, then God will bless me and I'll get rich. There are churches that say that too. For $100, God will bless you and you will be... No. God does use those words, but there's no, there's no guarantee. God is not a holy ATM... And he ain't Santa Claus. If the houses of Israel, if God is a stumbling block to the houses of Israel, how much would he be a stumbling block to us if we quit following him? 
There's nothing special about America. We're not more special than Israel. We ain't in Scripture. Israel is. If God is going to be a stumbling block for Israel because they quit following him, he'll be, he can become a stumbling block for America if we quit following him. And by looking at the news, we ain't following him very well. By looking at the statistics of every denomination of Christianity in America, we ain't following him very well. Church denominations are shrinking, all of them, Southern Baptists included. Baptisms are down across the board. Churches are closing. Yes, there are church plants happening, but more are closing than are being planted. And that goes for liberal denominations and conservative denominations. We, as a country, aren't following God very well. So God can become a stumbling block to America, too. Verse 15, many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Got to follow the one true Savior. Not political parties, not politicians. They ain't your Savior. Even as if the president of the Southern Baptist Convention ran for president of the United States, he still ain't your Savior. What do we do? Verse 16. Bind up the testimony. Seal up the instructions among my disciples. Are you a disciple of God? Are you binding up his instructions? Are you sealing up the testimony? What instructions? What testimony? This testimony. These instructions. Not just on Sunday morning when... Pastor Darren or myself or a guest pastor get up to preach. But each and every day, not just the one verse that's in the, 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 the little devotional book, not even just the one verse that Darren publishes on our website. Not that they're bad, they're good. But if that's all you get, that's like eating a, 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 a one spoonful of soup a day and calling it good. That's all I need for today. I just had a spoonful of soup today. I'm good for the day. I don't need any more nutrition. You wouldn't, you wouldn't survive very well if that's all you ate is one spoonful of soup a day. You need more. You need to read. You think about how we read any other book we have. You don't just read one sentence and quit. You pick up a novel. You read a whole chapter. You read more than a chapter. You stay up late because you want to read, find out what happens next. And you keep reading. Even if you read nonfiction books, you, you read more than one sentence at a time. You got to, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a self help book or, or a how to book or whatever it is, even if it's just a history book, you don't just read one sentence at a time per day. Why do we do that with Scripture? Read it. Saturate your mind. Get questions. So I don't understand it. Okay. Ask questions. My phone number, my email is in the bulletin. It's there. Call us. Leave messages on the website, the Facebook page. 
Come in and knock on my office door. Ask questions. Read commentaries. Read Bible dictionaries. Bible dictionaries are a great thing to have alongside your Bible. It's like you read it and it goes, shekel, what's a shekel? And you pull out your Bible dictionary and it tells you what a shekel is. Or it says some name of some country and you can look it up and it tells you about who those people are. It gives you a little short history lesson. Have a Bible dictionary sitting next to you. I'm reticent to say to do the internet search thing because I don't know who what websites you're going to pull up. Because some of them are good and some ain't, ain't so much. But bind them up. Seal them up in your mind, in your heart, in your life. Verse 17, Isaiah is speaking. He says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will wait for him. Will you wait on God? Even if everything goes wrong, the wrong people keep getting elected and our legislatures keep making the wrong laws, will you still wait on God for his salvation? I don't know what that looks like, but it's not rash. It's not impatient. It's waiting. Verse 18, here I am with the children of the Lord. Here I am with the children the Lord has given me to be signs and wonders in Israel for the Lord of armies who dwells in Mount Zion. So Isaiah is talking about those who was in his congregation. They didn't have congregations the way we do today. Synagogues weren't even, Jewish synagogues weren't even around yet. But he, maybe he had a group of people, the disciples that he taught and mentored. Here he was. The signs and wonders in Israel. But also you have all the signs and wonders that are written in here that we've already seen. These aren't myths. These aren't fables. I try not to say story even anymore. The account is when we think story, we think fiction. That's kind of our default in our world today. But these, this is nonfiction. These are real. There were real people behind these things. The Lord of armies who dwells on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is where the, the, the temple is, the temple mount. And, that's, and the scripture uses that as God's resting place, but we know God's just not there. He's everywhere. God's not limited by, a, by country borders. I, I was kind of really bummed out there was a lottery a couple months ago. And in, in the lottery, to get an entry into this lottery, you had to make a donation to St. Joe's Research Hospital. And if you won the lottery, you got to fly to space, literally. It's going to launch on or about September 15th. There's a mission, and it's going to be four people, none of them are astronauts, going up on a SpaceX capsule for like three days. They're not going to the space station. They're just going up there by themselves. I made, a, I made a donation to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. They didn't pick my name. I wanted to go. But one other thing, if you read any testimonies from any astronauts that go up to the space station, they all talk about looking down at the earth and seeing, oh, borders. They just see the earth. 
as God created it. God didn't create any countries. We did. Think about how many countries no longer exist in this world. How about the country of Hawaii? The country of Texas and Vermont. You know, they used to be independent nations, both of them. How about Zanzibar? It doesn't exist anymore. But then another place, the Ottoman Empire, gone. Prussia, gone. Biblical nations of Moab, Edom, Cush, they're all gone. The Assyrian Empire that destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, gone. Hittites, the Bible talks about, gone. Closer to home, the Mayan Empire, the Inca Empires in South America, gone. Cherokee Nation, Sioux Nation, gone. Tibet, China absorbed them, they're gone. East Germany, well, they reunified with West. Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, I can keep going. Nations that no longer exist, empires that are gone. The, Alexander the Great had an empire from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to India. Gone. The Roman Empire lasted for hundreds of years. Gone. Even so long, godly kingdoms. The Holy Roman Empire. Charlemagne. Where is it? Gone. The Byzantine Empire, Eastern Orthodox Church, gone. The main church of the Eastern Orthodox Church is now a mosque. Israel, God's chosen country. What happened to it? Well, a few years after Isaiah wrote this, well, why Isaiah was still alive, the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed, everybody taken out. They are now the lost tribes of Israel. They're gone. Judah, the southern country, was destroyed by Babylon. Persians let some go back, and so they kind of were there. Then the Greeks come in, and they rebelled against the Greeks, and it was kind of a nation. Then the Romans came in, and they were subject to Roman Empire. And then they tried to revolt, and what happened? Gone. 70 A.D., Israel's gone until 1948, something like in there. Yeah. Almost 1,900 years, Israel was gone. God's chosen country. What makes you think America is going to be any better than that? Verse 19, when they say to you, inquire of the mediums, the spiritualists, and the, who chirp and mutter, shouldn't a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Who do our politicians go to? Are they going to God? Or are they going to their publicists? Are they going to the polls? Okay, which way is the wind blowing? Which way am I going to say? What words do they use? Well, it depends on who they're talking to, who their crowd is. If you're talking to a religious crowd, they use religious words. They're talking to a medical crowd, they use medical words. They're talking to a racing crowd, they use racing words. And it doesn't matter what they say during their campaign speeches, because once they're elected, they do what they want. 
for good or for bad. Can you trust them? Who do they go for advice? Do they go to Scripture for advice? Well, they, 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 they look at all the surveys and polls and say, okay, which way do I need to go? Who makes the most phone calls to their office? That's where I'll go. Personally, who do you go to for advice? Do you call those psychics up that are on late-night TV commercials? Or refund your money if it's not the best psychic reading you've ever had. Well, since I haven't had one, if I called, I guess I couldn't get my money back. And then they're always super vague. Oh, there's somebody in your life that their name starts with, you know, J. And then you give them a name for you. Oh, well, that was convenient. Oh, you've, you've had some hardship in your life. Well, you get to find what the hardship is, and you get to tell them what it is. They're not coming up with nothing. They're shysters. You, and astrology is any better? Your horoscope? You mean what month you were born in matters and how you live your life and who you are? You think God's not bigger than that? He's the one that made the stars. And they're just as vague, much less going to people who do seances and talk to the supposedly dead. No, you go into Scripture. You go to godly people. Who do you go for marriage advice? A middle school kid? How many of you go to a middle school kid for marriage advice? You know? Do you go to the guy that has five marriages? Do you go to him for marriage advice? Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes tell people, it's like, yeah, I've only been married once. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a guy in the Army that's still mad at me. Um, I saw him again a few years later, and I could tell he was still mad at me. Um, he, we were sitting around talking, and he was complaining about his divorce, and it was his third divorce. And I made an offhand remark, so, well, there's only one common thing in all three of those marriages. Him. <laughs> he took it as an insult, which, well, I guess it, it, was, it, was, it was more of an observation, but, you know, it is what it is. Who do you go to? Do you go to a homeless person for financial advice? <laughs> you know, who do you go to? Don't come to me for financial advice, okay? That probably wouldn't help you very well, you know. But you need help with the Scripture. God's blessed me. God blessed me, and I was able to get a counseling degree to help counseling individual counseling, marriage counseling. Some of you in here have been part of that. Sonny doesn't see it, but, you know, but anyways. <laughs> but, you know, go to godly people to get help. Don't go all these other things. Verse 20. Go to God's instruction and testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. You go to God's instruction. You go to the scriptures for your instructions. 
Because that's what matters. Is God and God's scripture. That's what matters. That's the eternal thing. Countries come and go. America will be gone someday. I don't know where it's going. Will we die inside out and instead of the 50 United States, the, the, the 50 fighting states? I don't know where we're going. Will we be conquered from the outside? Will we be invaded by a foreign military and take us over? Will we just fall apart from a broken economy because we are so in debt and so much electronic money? What happens when all that goes debunk? What happens when the sun has a huge corona mass ejection and wipes out our satellites? That's happened. It hasn't happened. We've had smaller ones that have damaged some satellites. Back in the 1800s, there was a, a one of those solar flares, corona mass destruction solar flares, when we just had telegrams, telegraph machines, and it fried telegraph machines on the ground from a solar flare. If that solar flare hit the U.S. today, what would it do to our power grid? You thought it was disrupted, what, two months ago when a ransomware attack hit just one oil supplier? What if it's a bigger ransomware-coordinated attack directed from a foreign government and they hit all our utilities at once? Don't know what's going to happen in this world there's all kinds of bad. I got a great. I got a great imagination. I can come up with all kinds of bad scenarios. Even if the worst happens in Yellowstone National Park, the supervolcano explodes, Krakatoa explodes again. Mount Krakatoa exploded in the South Pacific, and it caused snow in July in New England. In July, because there was so much volcanic ash in the air. The sun couldn't get through. Even if the worst happens, you're still a child of God. There are Christians in Syria. Their towns have been obliterated by ISIS and U.S. attacks fighting ISIS. What are they doing? They have been captured and held for ransom by ISIS. Their churches have been destroyed. You still follow God when all that happens? Do you still fall God if you're a Christian in China with threatening to be thrown into jail and losing all your job, your work, and all your government benefits if you're a Christian? Do you follow God if you're in Iran and if you're caught evangelizing Muslims, you can be thrown in jail? And if you're a Muslim and you turn to Christ, the punishment is is death? By law, that's the law of the land. That's just not some mob. That's the law of the land. Do you follow Christ there? Think about the Christians who were there. I don't know what this world holds. Don't know which way the next election is going to happen. Don't know what laws our Congress is going to enact. I don't know when the terrorist, next terrorist attack is going to happen. 
where it's going to happen. But even without that, there's enough destruction in this world. You may be living in a building that's just going to fall down. That never happens, right? Happened last week. People sleep in their beds and their building collapsed and died. They can't even find their bodies yet. No terrorist attack, just faulty construction. Don't know when the next earthquake, tornado, hurricane is going to happen. Don't know when the next car crash is going to happen. Don't know what the doctor is going to tell you the next time you go to the doc, your next medical appointment. But do you follow God anyways? Even if the world goes to hell and everything is falling apart, do you follow God anyways? God is bigger than America. Praise God for America. Celebrate tonight. Shoot off fireworks. Praise God for where we live, that we have the freedoms that we have. But realize it's a temporary place. We are aliens in this world because we are kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. How did Jesus start us preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all through his parables, through the book of Matthew, every, almost every parable starts off, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. It's all about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of America is temporary. The kingdom of heaven is permanent. That's why we come here to worship him and worship him alone. Amen. Celebrate America. But in here, we're worshiping God. That's why when I did that Easter sunrise service, I didn't put that great big American flag up there. Even though it looks really awesome. We put a, cro- a tiny little cross. At least it was tiny based on that wall. Because that's what we were there for. That's why we're here, is to worship God. And worship Him alone. Absolutely celebrate where we live. Stand up and salute the flag. Treat the flag appropriately. Throw it on the ground. Don't stomp on it. Salute. Whatever the proper salute is for you when they play the national anthem. Stand up if you can. If you pledge allegiance to the flag, realize it's an earthly allegiance. It's a temporary allegiance. It's not our ultimate allegiance. God is our ultimate allegiance. Jesus Christ, the Savior, who saved us, who gives us a reason to live, is the one. There are Christians in this world who don't have our freedoms, and they're still Christians, even though they live under an oppressive regime. Throughout time, there are Christians in this world who are poor, dirt poor. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. So when they pray the Lord's Prayer, and it says, I pray our daily bread, they literally mean the bread that we need today because we don't know where it's coming from because they don't have a pantry full of food and their freezer and refrigerator full of food. They literally don't know where their food's coming today. So praise God that you live where you live, and you're blessed as much as you're blessed. You may think you're poor because you keep looking at Bill Gates or Elon Musk or somebody, Warren Buffett, you're looking in the wrong direction. Look how the people are living down in Rio de Janeiro in the slums. How people in, in Africa, places in Asia, live. 
they don't have it as good as you got it. People who have a house like you where there's a mansion looking to them because you have indoor plumbing, you have heat, you have AC, you have refrigerator and freezer. You have all that stuff. You have tons of food. And they're worried about what you're going to eat today. Praise God we live where we live in a time that we live. Because even as America, a hundred years ago, think about living here during the Great Depression, living here in the 1800s, subsistence farming. It was a lot harder time even then. Praise God you live where you live. Rejoice that you have that. But we rejoice that we got it even better in heaven and that this place is temporary. We are aliens here. We are, you know, alien is a legal word for somebody that's not in their own country. We're not in our country. We belong to the kingdom of heaven, and this ain't it. This ain't the kingdom of heaven. Not yet. It's the beginning of it. So let's praise God. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all that you provide. Help us to love you and to serve you. Help us to rejoice and praise you for the blessings you've given us, the blessings of family, of nation, of prosperity. But help us to realize this all temporary and that our kingdom is in heaven. Our eternity is heaven. And help us to put it in perspective. You are the mighty God. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.